Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is October the 27th, 2015, and you're here with me on another episode of The Bright Side with Technician. I hope everyone day is going good so far, because today we are happy. We are wealthy. We are healthy. We are millionaire-minded. And if you have not joined on that Positive Affirmations with me, it is text at 1810 at Mill I'm telling you, it'll blow your mind away, because a lot of times we put ourselves in these boxes boxes that we don't intend to do, but we do it with our mind frame, and sometimes you have to change your friends. That's why you got to change your friends. You got to let them go. Everybody won't be on you the same thing. You can't make everybody do the same thing. You just do you, and if they don't uh, if they don't relate to what you're doing, then you might have to cut your ties, but please, we do that every morning from Monday through Friday, so on at 7.30 a.m. Eastern, and Saturday and Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern. This show is going to be wonderful for you, because I know many of us all of us truthfully have dealt with stress, anxiety. You have children that stress. They have homework that stress. Even children are stressed. My my fourth graders they're stressed out. I mean, well, not my they're not my students, but they're my children. But they're stressed out. They give them so much homework like they're in college, and I get stressed out putting stress on them to do better. You know, so we're gonna talk about all that, including what we could do with people who have a problems with weight. And sometimes it's not always just about exercising. You have to do it mentally and putting the good stuff into your body, positive, the mentally, and spiritually. But here with me is Peggy Stillfun. She's a personal development coach, and she has an awesome book out that will be helpful for you. It's called Escape from Anxiety to Supercharge Your Life with Powerful Strategies from A to Z. It's funny, but it gets down to the main point. And this book you will find um, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other select bookstores. And we also talk about how you could be directed to get free special audio and maybe become a winner of a drawing. But we'll talk about that a little later on in the show. But if you do decide to call in, which I hope you do, call in at 347-426-3751. The chat box will be open up for you. Peggy, it's so great to have you on. Um, oh, I'm glad that you're here with us. I am so happy to be on the bright side with you. That is such a great name for this show. So thank you for allowing me to be here with you. You're so welcome. I, I guess a good place to start would be to define what anxiety is and how you distinguish between normal, healthy anxiety and irrational or counterproductive anxiety. That's a very, very good point because, you know what, we do have everyday stresses and everyday anxiety, you know, paying our bills, um, getting to work, getting our tasks done. These create some stresses that we're aware of, but when it gets exaggerated, when the worries keep us up at night to the point where we're exhausted every day, where we're becoming dysfunctional, where we just can't deal with everyday life, or even worse, if we get to that place of feeling really depressed and hopeless, that's a problem. Now, you've really got a much greater uh, problem. However, there are many solutions. Oh, uh, Peggy, if you don't mind, can you go through solutions that we could target on? On dealing with stress and anxiety. Well, first of all, is really becoming aware of it and really tuning into the fact that you are out of balance and the stress is beginning to take a toll. So, you know, if you're overeating, if you're undereating, if you're feeling nervous, if you're feeling a lot of tension all the time, if you're um, unfocused, your mind is all fuzzy and foggy and you just can't think clearly, you feel like you're just not making good decisions and you can't even do your everyday tasks or your work and so forth, then you need to interrupt those patterns. But first you've got to be aware that you have those patterns. Some people just sort of get into this robotic place where they know they don't feel good, but they don't even realize that they're so stressed and tense and filled with anxiety. 
So the first thing is awareness. And the second thing is to stop the pattern. So as soon as you really become aware that, let's say, your work is really stressing you out and you're trying to get this project done and it's becoming overwhelming and you just can't do it, take a break. Literally step away from whatever it is you're doing. Stand up. Stretch your arms overhead, take some big, deep breaths in and out, and just close your eyes for a minute and just give yourself a little mental respite from whatever it is you're focused on. Because what happens when we're so tense, um, the body stops functioning in the capacity that it's capable of. And just by taking a minute, two minutes, it gives your body and mind a chance to really refresh. And now you can come back at the task at hand with a different perspective. So just interrupting that. In fact, I have a free audio that your listeners can download. And they can just go to 3minutestodestress.com. And the three is the numeral three. So just 3minutestodestress.com. And if you can't take three minutes out of your life, you know, to get your stress um, more resolved and reduced, uh, then there are some more serious issues you need to address. Right. I think that you should be able to take out three minutes. And as you said, Peggy, if you can't, then that means something is not prioritized right in your life if you can't balance it correctly. And if you do call in, you could get a free chance to win a free consultation with Peggy right now by phone, and she'll provide a 15-minute phone session to the winner of this drawing or a call-in promotion, which is a $50 value. So you cannot beat that, um, some of you. And I know some of you right now, because some of you be on my Facebook fan page, but you don't want to do, but you don't want to do right. You want to keep on doing what you want to do. So, hey, hopefully this show will help you to open up that door. Now, Peggy, there is a difference between stress and anxiety, because they sound like they're both on the same level, but can you give us the differences between those two? Well, you know, stress, again, is just sort of the everyday thing. To get stuck in traffic, you're late for work, you're stressed. You know, that definitely is a very obvious stressor. But anxiety is um, many times um, not very conscious. So you could be in a situation where, um, you know, you're driving to work and all of a sudden you feel like you're having a heart attack and you're getting a panic attack. But there's nothing out there that should cause you to get a panic attack, but you were thinking about something that internally and unconsciously created that result. And oftentimes anxiety comes more from these unconscious, preconditioned experiences, things that happened in the past or um, inner thoughts where, gosh, I'm just not good enough. I'm really worried about doing my job today because I just don't think I'm really good enough to do it. I'm not going to live up to the expectations. I'm not going to be able to perform the way they're going to want me to perform. I'm going to fail. Then I'm going to lose my job. I won't be able to pay my bills. How will I get a new job? What will people think of me? So we end up playing out these, you know, very scary scenarios but the reality is you're driving in your car to work. And so we create our own levels of fears, which, again, going back to the idea of interrupting, you can stop that pattern. But the very first step is always just kind of tuning in and being aware, wait a minute, I'm not feeling good. Why am I not feeling good? What are my thoughts looking like? What am I thinking that's driving me to have this fear? Does that make sense to you, Technicia? Oh, it makes it makes perfect sense, and I think we every day doing it. And like you said, we put so much pressure on ourselves. Some of us are perfectionists. We want to pay our bills. That's stress enough. I mean, but is it normal to have just a little stress? Yes, it is normal. And actually, a little stress can be good for you. You know, if you're um, presenting a report to your boss, you know, a little stress actually gets the adrenaline flowing so that you're more clear thinking and you actually have more energy. So a little stress can be good. Um, being on bright side with technicia, you know, can be stressful. Just, you know, <laughs> having that adrenaline rush, right? So uh, right. But it makes you sharper. It makes you actually perform better. So a little stress can actually be very good for you. And it's just the balance. It's, you know, not sabotaging, as you say, but really just, tuning in and, and noticing. Right. Now, I have heard of 
social anxiety. What exactly is that? Well, social anxiety, a lot of people have in um, interactive situations. They're afraid to go out. Okay. They're afraid to be amongst friends um, who they know love them and care about them, but they're afraid they just won't have enough to say. They won't interest them. Uh, they might be ostracized. They feel like they don't quite belong. And so they are afraid to step out and go and do things that actually can help feed them. We actually need a social network. We need our sort of tribe, you know, to belong to. It really helps us um, be better and it helps us um, be more energized and be able to be more balanced. So it is important. And sometimes when people have it to an extreme, it's important to seek some help. And there, again, there are solutions. I mean, I I coach people. Uh, there are other coaches. There are religious leaders that, you know, might be in your community that you can go to that can really help you uh, transcend that that fear. And, and Peggy, how common would you say is social anxiety? Well, you know, I think it's becoming more common than ever because I think especially younger people are having a lot of challenges in really learning how to interact with one another. Younger people um, know how to text each other. They know how to communicate electronically. But when they get in a social situation eye to eye, they almost don't know how to behave. And so it takes a little bit of practice, a little bit of training, a little bit of confidence building, and they can definitely uh, transition through that fear. Why? And uh, as such as my children, they, they're fourth graders, Peggy, and it looks like it's more work on them than ever. I never had so much work in my life probably in fourth grade. You know, we did probably one little assignment, that was it. Now it looks like they have two or three, and it's like, oh, my God, and I stress them probably. So I've been forced to like, okay, uh, if they push you, you need to push harder. So that's always my motto. I always tell them, you can win, you can do it. There's no there's no um, saying you can't. There's no fail in this house. And maybe I probably stress them a little bit, but I don't know if I really stress them because they play so much. But um, it, it can be very stressful going to school now. Well, it is, and I agree with you. And I think that um, it's a shame to me that the school systems don't incorporate some training for kids that help them learn how to stay more relaxed and be calmer. Um, I think a little bit of pressure is good in terms of motivation. I think it's important to motivate kids to explore, to learn new things, to, to be part of it. But when it gets to the point where um, they're feeling battered, oh, my gosh, I have to work so hard, it's really a matter of balance. And I think, you know, our work world um, also sort of reinforces that concept and that belief. And I think personally and what I teach people is instead of working harder, work more efficiently and effectively. And sometimes that means, taking more breaks during the day. So if someone's trying to do their homework and it's they're, it, they're just not getting focused, they're just not able to do it, it's frustrating, and they're trying too hard, sometimes, again, just taking a break from it to step back, yawn, stretch, breathe can help. Okay. I definitely make sure I start doing that with them because I know it can be a lot of work, and as you said, Sometimes teachers don't prep them up. Like I see their grades from their schoolwork on writing assignments, and I'm like, okay, if you're going to prepare them for writing, why don't you just why don't you give us parents that assignment too at home, so that way I can prep her up too. Because a lot of times they'll have these tests, and you're like, okay, but you didn't prep, you didn't give them for a homework assignment, and now my baby has an elf on it. So I was kind of a little, I was I was upset with the fact that she got an elf on something and you want her to reinstate something. I'm like, she's just nine years old. Like they don't know how to structure things like you want them to. That's now a college mind, yeah. I I can well, do that and, all and day. The, but. And the other thing is really not to put the emphasis on you know, what they're not doing right, what they're, you know, what they're not doing right, but to really put it on what they are doing right. So as kids are, you know, learning different things, they really need to be encouraged 
to build their strengths and recognize what their strengths are. And sometimes they get so overwhelmed and overloaded they can't even see that. So it's not about failure. It's about recognizing what isn't working and approaching situations in better ways. And so if one technique isn't working, then shift. Try a different approach, but do it from a place of calm and ease rather than a place of panic that, oh, my gosh, I've got to get this done and I'm late. And, you know, when you're in that level, you can't produce. You know, you tend to get paralyzed. You tend to really not be able to think clearly. And most kids learn the best, to be honest, through play. Through, because you're more relaxed, and so you can really retain the information better. And there's a lot of um, programs now that have been developed with online uh, educational programs that are kind of games. And so you move through these different games, and, and you you feel rewarded, and you excel at them, and it's fun. And so really, learning should be fun. When we teach kids that, no, work harder, and this is difficult, and you have to do it now, Well, then they get this message that, well, this isn't a pleasant experience. Why do I really want to do this? And so that you you actually create resistance in them. So it's really better to create an environment where, hey, this is an adventure. This is challenging. You know, good or bad, whether you get an A or whether you get a C, as long as you put yourself wholly and fully into the experience and you tried your best, that's what's important. And that's the kind of training we want to give kids, you know, let them learn where they are and where they excel and what they're really good at. And there are going to be some areas okay. they're not good at, and that's okay. Okay. I definitely will. I'm glad you're giving me these pointers, Peggy, because I am, I think I am a, a enforcer more than anything because that's probably how I was raised. It was uh, you get the answer wrong, go back, do it again, it's wrong, and you're like, oh, and, and my stepfather, he stayed on me till you got that answer right. There was no letting up, and I think I'm the same way with them, and then they'll start playing. I'm like, there's no time to play. you got to get this work. So, okay, maybe I, that's why I'm glad you're on, Peggy. Mommy needed yeah, a little no, it's, life lesson. It's changing attitudes a little bit because I was brought up that way, too. You know, I was taught just work harder, put your nose to the grindstone. I wouldn't even take vacations because I thought I had to just work, work, work. Well, what we're finding, like in modern science now, the neurosciences, psychology, we're finding that it's really important to take breaks. I call them productivity pauses. And if you don't, you burn out. You know, you can't go at that level of productivity without having some time to just step back and rest. And I I have a wonderful, you know, that three-minute technique really can help to just, again, interrupt that pattern. Kids can do it too. It's a great thing to do if they're having trouble getting their schoolwork done. Just take three minutes to just do, you know, this. it's kind of a a very simple guided meditation and and it's um, very easy to do. So I really encourage people to try that and be able to really incorporate that into their day so that they feel more energized at the end of the day rather than exhausted and depleted. Right. Um, So, Peggy, I mean, journalism, and that's exactly what I went to school for, and I'm still trying to get back into that field. I need to brush up on that resume and get back out there because that's something that I truly, actually is passionate about, journalism. I love to talk, and maybe it's another route for me to go, but I won't know if I don't do anything towards it. But how did you go from journalism to becoming interested in this line of work? <laughs> good question. And I encourage you to pursue that journalism route. We need more good journalists out there. Um, but, yeah, I, when I was in New York City, I, I did a lot of uh, writing for the New York Times and Newsweek International, lots of different publications. And I was always very stressed out. You know, I had to meet the deadlines. I had to, you know, I had to sell the next article. It was it was really challenging. And so I began to find ways where I could manage my stress because I was always a triple-A personality trying to do more and more and more. And um, I actually started um, going to the Integral Yoga Institute in New York City and started learning yoga. And that really helped me learn how to get into that place of calm. And when you get into that place of calm, you actually 
find that you have so much more available to to produce and to be everything that you are. And so it's very empowering. So I went through a lot of different careers on my way to really doing personal development coaching full-time, but every career I had really contributed to higher and higher stress levels. So I I was more and more motivated to find solutions. And so I think out of adversity or out of challenges, we we do get motivated to find uh, better ways of doing things. And it's kind of part of our humanness and part of our evolution. So I did finally... Uh, find a number of different ways that I could interrupt the, the fears and the and the stress and be able to really develop myself in a more balanced way where I could really have everything without the struggle, without the suffering. And to me, that was a huge epiphany. That was a huge wake-up. And that's what I help other people do because we don't have to suffer. No, no, we don't, and that's a choice. By by all means, do not have to do that. You can obviously you can be happy. It's a choice to be happy. It's a choice to be sad. And I choose to be in the sunshine and let you you stay on over there, rain. I don't I don't want to be in the rain. I don't I don't do the rain too much. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you stay on the bright side. R- right, exactly. Peggy, what would you say is the exact number of people probably suffering from stress daily? Well, you know, they've done studies, and it's uh, something to the level of 40 million people suffer from some form of anxiety. And I think the numbers are are increasing. I think it's probably a lot higher than that, actually, because um, our lifestyle contributes to creating levels of anxiety. We're constantly barraged and bombarded and you know, overwhelmed and pressured and and there's almost no time to step back and just, you know, be who we are as as individuals. And we really need that time. It's really important to carve periods of time even throughout the day. Just, you know, I actually recommend to a lot of my clients to take a break like every two hours. Just take one minute. I have them set it on their smartphones or their watches for an alarm to go off and just take one minute to stop whatever it is you're doing, whatever deadline, doesn't matter. Just take that one minute to take some really nice deep cleansing breaths, which really helps oxygenate the body so that the body functions better. It clears the mind so the mind functions better. And you feel more alert. You just feel better and then you go back to whatever it is you were doing and you do it better. Soothing already just to take a break, but probably not if you're at work now. If you notice you need to do something, don't. Oh, I just kind of take a break. No, get get that done first, and then go take a break and relax your mind. Um, now, and the range of going back to anxiety and the range of anxiety disorders is quite diverse, right? You have general anxiety disorder, panic attacks, specific phobias, OCD, PTSD. Is there a commonality among those? Is it useful to think of those together, or are there things that are quite discreet? You know, I tell you the truth, there are all these different diagnoses, and I'm not a psychiatrist, so I I don't assign those uh, labels. And I find that some clients who have gone that route of sort of being labeled, oh, you're OCD, oh, you have this, they sometimes sort of buy into that behavior that that's associated with and that really isn't who they are or what they've gone through. And so personally, I don't really like the labels. I think, let's face it, we all have certain challenges, some challenges maybe a little more than others, but it's really drilling down to, okay, what it is, what is it you're dealing with? And instead of focusing on the problems, Let's focus on the solutions. Let's focus on the ways to let go of that. And there's an awful lot of people who sadly like the drama and they just see themselves as the victim. And in order to really be healthy, it's important to change that state of mind and to really realize you do have a choice. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to suffer. You can really choose to change your reality. And there are very clear steps to do it. And let me tell you, it's not 
something that happens overnight. You just don't switch a switch. It does take your attention and your commitment, and it does take some practice to be able to redo it on a regular basis. I mean, I work with clients over certain periods of time, and let's say I work with someone for three months. I just had a client. uh, We just finished a three-month period. And um, he's going into a very stressful time of year in his business. And he said, you know, I, I just feel like I, I need a little more support. So let's let's go another month. So, you know, it's recognizing what you need to help you be able to release the challenges and be able to really perform better and kind of fulfill your purpose. Everybody's here for a reason. We all serve and it's important to be able to get to a place where you feel that you're serving, where you feel you're really being yourself and all that you have to offer. And that does take a little time to get to that place, but it's worth it because you're worth it. Right. And self-value is the most important thing, having that self-value. And a lot of people don't know what that is to have self-value. We value and others, but you got to also take time out to reevaluate and refocus and get to your own self sometimes. We always tend to want to be around others, or oh, I don't like to be alone. Get in the habit of being alone. Become addicted to only the habits that serve us. That's why I said people get on that call in the morning because it is positive. God serves to the use of my imagination, and it's, it's wonderful. I love it. It's it gets right to it, and you have to be like you mean it when you say positive affirmation. It don't come true unless you believe it. Um, well, and here's the thing, Technicia, because I use a lot of affirmations in my work as well. And what I always encourage my clients is say the affirmation whether you believe it or not. Because what happens right. is the more you begin to say it, the more your cells in your body actually start responding and it starts getting assimilated. So, and actually, this is based on cognitive behavioral therapy. So, if you just keep repeating it, the words are powerful. And even if you don't believe it, just by being able to really say it again and again and again, you begin to assimilate it. You begin to really live it, and it becomes part of you. So I definitely encourage people to follow your advice on that. Hmm. Something to really think about. Yes, I hope they do. Um, Now, one of the biggest epidemic amongst Americans today is weight issues. How can they come to solve that problem? Because I know you speak of that in your book as well. I do. I have a lot of different approaches. Um, you sure? One obvious one, of course, is eating more healthfully. I'm, I actually have a program that's starting uh, tomorrow where I guide people to a 10-day program of learning how to really eat healthier foods and to make that part of your choices rather than the junk foods and the sugary foods and the the things that um, really overload our system, when you eat more healthfully, and most people on this program uh, that I do um, aren't intending to lose weight, but they lose weight because the body becomes more optimized. So it's really paying attention to what foods you put in your mouth. Food is information, it's energy, it's medicine. You know, if you have a super sports car, would you put crappy fuel in it, right? So do you want to put crappy food in your supercharged body? Um, And the other thing that is really important about weight aspects is sleep. We are living in the most sleep-deprived country in the world. People do not get enough sleep. And what happens when you don't get enough sleep is your body suffers and you start craving more carbohydrates, more sugars, um, and it's just a natural hormonal imbalance that occurs. And so when you're not sleeping enough, you tend to gain weight. So it's really important to get enough sleep, seven to eight hours a night, to really develop a sleep environment, get rid of the TV in your bedroom that is really distracting. Lots of electronic stuff in your bedroom also can actually interrupt the natural sleep hormones. 
um, and just get onto a regular pattern of going to bed at a certain time and getting up at a certain time. And you'll know you're on the right pattern when you don't even need an alarm clock, when you just wake up naturally and your body begins to adjust. And I do have some programs um, that I offer. I have some CDs called Integrative Relaxation. And this particular program in just 20 minutes is the equivalent of three to four hours of deep restorative sleep. So um, I work with a lot of people who have sleep issues. They have uh, chronic insomnia. And this is a way of helping to interrupt that pattern. And it definitely affects weight. It definitely affects uh, the way your body functions. And, and the big goal with losing weight is not so much to get into calorie counting and, you know, over-exercising. Right. Of course, exercise is important. But it's really about the balance and it's really about doing healthy things for your body because you're worth it. It's going back to that self-worth and, and self-confidence issue. When you, when you do good things for your body, your body is going to respond really well. It's going to be more balanced. You're going to be the right weight, and you'll feel phenomenal. You'll really supercharge your life. Wow. I couldn't agree with you more. You are what you eat, and as well as what you're thinking about, all that is entitled to it. And I couldn't agree with Peggy any more than that because it is so true. Sometimes we think it comes from, oh, I'm not, I'm working out constantly, going to the gym, I'm I'm beating it out. But something is still not right. I'm still not right. And a lot of times it can be that stress. That the little things that you don't even think about can deplete the whole purpose of your situation. Now, Peggy, I have heard. And the, the other thing, Technisha, just one other point I do want to make. Some people have food allergies, and that okay. contributes to the weight gain. So that's another important thing to pay attention to. Um, people have food allergies to things like grains, to um, certain nut butters like peanut butter. Sometimes people have allergies to um, dairy. A lot of people get inflama- inflammatory responses to dairy. So um, sometimes what can be helpful is actually eliminating some of these food groups uh, over a period of five or six days to see how you feel. Um, you know, some people have, um, uh, you know, gluten sensitivities. So those kind of things are also important to be aware of, tune into, and be able to make adjustments. So I just want to make that point. Thanks, Tanisha. Oh, no, thank you. Well. Well, we're gonna take a short commercial break, and we're gonna come back with um, excuse me, we're gonna come back with Peggy, and we're gonna get more in talking about resilience and um, self development and the treatment of social anxiety, and why do we get why do we get so anxious, and some strategies just for seeming interesting for everyday worries to overcome all of that, and also her three steps called ABCs. So don't touch that dial. We definitely will be right back after this. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Yes, we definitely need to focus on bullying. We have to get a hands on that because it's becoming a troubling time for our youth now. Back then, you didn't have that problem. You got beat on. You went home with bloody nose. You lived in that state, but now it's becoming more, it's becoming more threatening through cyber 
bullying and all this media out. See, I'm so glad we grew up in the age, the times we didn't have all the computers and Facebook. Now I'm sure I got Facebook. And see, I keep my Peggy. I keep them in the stone age a little bit. And not that I don't want them to learn, but I, I, I don't buy no nine-year-old iPads, first of all. You don't need all that. You're not working, so you're definitely not going to get it from me. So that's X out. But in, in one way, I think I am preventing them from seeing what they don't need to see right now. Right now, I just want you to be a nine-year-old. When it comes to that point, then, hey, we'll deal with it hands-on. Because, like I tell them, it's not peaches and cream. There are people out there who are hurtful and mean. Mommy and Daddy are nice to you <laughs> when they have to be. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, you know, Technicia, I feel that, you know, bullying could be greatly reduced if someone like your nine-year-old really develops such self-confidence. Because if, Mm -hmm. if a child feels really secure in who they are and they have parents who they know love them, um, that love and that sense of security can allow them to deflect the bullying. The bullying doesn't matter because whatever the bully says isn't who they are, so they don't react to it. They change how they feel because they already feel so powerful that none of that matters. And it takes a lot for children to get to that point, but I think parents can help that by help instilling in their children all these wonderful strengths that they do have and to really teach them how to, how to overcome bullies. And let's remember, bullies are the most insecure of all. They're bullying because they feel so awful. This is how they wow. try to get yes. powerful. Yes, because it's something that's missing in their life. Yes, I wish I had my coworkers on the line with me because we were talking of that. My job is sort of like high. We have older people around probably in their 50s, still acting like they're in high school, hearsay stuff, and then you go back and forth. You're like, wow, I sit back and really snicker to myself because I'm like, are we really doing this? Are we in high school or are we adults? Because I promise my nine-year-olds do better than half of them at the job and it's like, oh wow, you you really are out there, and and we, um, one of my coworkers was telling my other coworker that because she felt her feelings was hurt, and she was telling her she said, no, bullies are the ones who are not happy. Something is going on in their life. They don't have their stuff together, but they appear to have their stuff together, but they actually don't. It's something that they're jealous of you, and they won't never tell you. They'll make it look like, oh, you came looking this way. No, they're unhappy with themselves because I was, woof. Don't want to go down memory lane, but I know I was bullied, so I, I caught my share there. Didn't never, never got in a fight, but I was just bullied, and that hurts the most. But it made me stronger today. But it's it's definitely different now, Peggy. You you can't well, and, and, bully, and the thing is, bully coming like, to the computers. Well, and and the thing is, you know, adults or children, you cannot be harmed. You can't be hurt unless you allow someone to hurt you. So, again, if you're feeling empowered and you feel whole and you're okay about everything that you are, and sure, you've got weaknesses, you've got areas that maybe could be improved, but you're working on them. And ultimately, if you feel pure, then you're safe. You can't be hurt unless you allow someone to hurt you. I mean, I work in a lo- with a lot of people who have relationship issues, and they'll tell me things like, well, he just made me so mad. Guess what? No one can make you mad unless you allow them. So you have choices mm-hmm. at every step, but it's learning who you are and really embracing all that you are. And when you do that, you feel protected. Right. So it's, you know, but it's, look, we're all a work in progress, let's face it, you know, and and there's always parts that um, are really working well and there's other parts that are not working so well. And it's really always a matter of bringing it into that balance and coming back to, um, you know, feeling, uh, you know, more of that kind of place of equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I do agree. Now, just 
you know, when we when we think of it, I mean, it is what it is. But as you said, we don't have to we don't have to accept it. We can make a change, and you have to make a change around your environment. Um, now, also, you know these these strategies that you mentioned. They seem interesting for everyday words, but what if someone is facing cancer or layoffs? Can these strategies really apply to them? If they're seeking, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Peggy. The, the strategies that you spoke on to overcome anxiety, um, mm-hmm. they seem interesting for they seem interesting for everyday worries. But what if someone is facing counsel or a layoff? Can these strategies really apply? Oh, absolutely. Even more so. I mean, that's the thing. When we hit these sort of traumatic events in our lives, these moments of crisis, that's the most important time to use these strategies so that you come back into alignment and you really focus on what's important. You come back to your personal value system and you come back to really loving yourself. You know, someone who's just lost a job, they feel like crap. Oh, my God, I'm worthless, you know, I lost my job, I, you know, who am I? I can't pay my bills, I, how am I going to get another job? I feel awful. But actually losing a job could be a motivational opportunity to find who you truly are. And when you find what you love to do and you get a job doing what you love, you never work a day in your life. And so it's inspiring and stimulating. And so sometimes many times, out of adversity come really good resolutions because it propels you to evolve. It propels you to grow. It propels you to find more connection with yourself. But the problem for a lot of people is they get so paralyzed by the anxiety, they can't see anything beyond that. And so they get into this place of depression, and that's clearly not productive. So, again, it's important to interrupt that pattern, because that pattern can become a cycle and a habit, you know, the people who like the drama, like being victimized, you know, they get into that pattern because that's what they know, that's what they're comfortable with, but it can be changed, and it can be changed by really being proactive and taking time to really replenish your, your, your energy and connect to your soul. It's really about integrating mind and body, and when you do you connect to this infinite source within and without, and you become abundant. You become, uh, you know, you fulfill your unmanifest potential. And, and it's a very exciting opportunity. So when something bad happens, I always tell people, okay, what are you learning from that? What is that going to propel you to do next? that will take you to another level of your life that will be um, an adventure. Right. Ooh, Peggy is right on the same note. That's why I said people got to get on these affirmation calls. Everything that's coming from her mouth is what we speak on. I'm grateful for consistent, abundant, you know, oh, man, I feel like I'm on the call right now. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Peggy, this is, I'm glad. It's it good. is. It is. I feel like, right, and I feel like you're right here in my in my home with me. Um, now, in your book, you, you, you mentioned. I, let me just make one other point, Technicia, okay. because oh, yeah, I think Peggy. this is really important. Because I think when people hear abundance, they think, well, yeah, I want to make a lot of money. I want to win the lottery. But it isn't about money, per se. And and there are studies that are done that show that um, someone who gets, let's say, a 30% increase in salary is not 30% happier. And so it's really about prioritizing and looking at what's valuable. I, I worked with one gentleman who, you know, thought he'd be happy when he had millions of dollars. And when he had millions of dollars, he had all these houses. He had this incredible car collection. He had all this money that he had to manage. And he was so fearful about some economic catastrophe and he'd lose everything that he couldn't enjoy his life. He spent very little time with his wife, with his three beautiful daughters. And um, and he was just a mess. He was just a frazzled set of nerves. And so abundance that I'm talking about is a more balanced abundance of really having love, having light, having all of the 
important human needs met, safety, satisfaction, connection, friends, family, and having that level of abundance. Being able to go out and enjoy a sunset rather than looking at the beautiful, magnificent colors of nature and thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do for work tomorrow, you know? So it's really being able to appreciate what is so available to us for free. There are so many things that we can be grateful for And it's about taking the time to prioritize those moments because that's what feeds our souls. Exactly. And that's a good thing I want to feed my soul. I don't want no junk in there. That trash makes you sick when you got trash. Anybody ever just stepped in some trash, you'd be like, oh, what is that smell? That's how it is. When you think of that same trash you smell outside your house and think of it inside your body, you want that same stinky trash? I don't think so. I don't want that in my body. But uh, right. in the Peggy book, getting back to your book, Peggy, you mentioned three steps called ABCs. What are they and how are they used? Well, actually, um, <laughs> the book is arranged from A to Z. So I have over 100 strategies that are contained in the alphabet. And the reason I did it that way is because, let's face it, when somebody's really stressed out, the last thing they want to do is sit down and read a book. So what I did was I created it in a way where they could literally open to any page of the alphabet, and they could pick one strategy in that page of the alphabet and just use it. And in that moment, just by doing whatever it is in that moment, it helps interrupt that stress, that anxiety. And then I have in the second part of the book a strategy that um, allows you to really create a more long-term sustainable resolution of stress and anxiety so that you really can be empowered and you can really supercharge your life. But it's really starting with small steps. You know, if if you think, gosh, I've got to change this, I've got to change that, I, oh, I have to do this differently, I have to, well, you're going to be overwhelmed and you're going to do nothing. So it's really about chunking. It's about isolating small steps. And it may be as simple as changing the food you're eating and adding a salad to every meal so you're getting more greens and more nutrient-dense foods. A simple thing, just adding a salad to a meal, not a big deal, right? So it's, it's looking at things in those ways so that you can make small adjustments. So my whole book is really about helping people to find techniques that will resonate with them that they can do easily and, and really digest it easily and be able to really use in their lives. Right, and I think they will, because it's not a a talk a talk at you type book. This is a book, hey, I relate to you. I can understand you. Hey, I put a little comedy in there, especially the part about sex. I mean, the only thing that you basically need in the bedroom is sex and sleep. Everything else is irrelevant. <laughs> That's right. It's true. <laughs> That's how the, that I like that you moved in on that been, one. <laughs> right. We've been we've been doing it we've been doing it so long. No wonder why my husband goes to the front room. I've we I've been messing up look <laughs> <laughs> No, you've just been experimenting. You've been trying many different things, but now it's honing in on the things that are really gonna feed you, that are really gonna be beneficial that are really going to help you be the best you can be. And that's really all we're about is really being the best version of ourselves. And anyone can do it. And I don't care what challenge you're facing. I've dealt with a lot of people with critical diseases. And guess what? By changing their attitude and their approach to their life, they've healed. And they're thriving today. I think I think Peggy, you have become my husband's best friend. He likes. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I could help. <laughs> but but um, this is the question for warriors, though. What if people have been warriors all their life? Can they really change? Absolutely, absolutely, because, you know, again, it, it's a habit. There's a lot of things that become habits, but there's a lot of ways to begin to change those habits, especially, you know, if you're hurting enough. You know, when you reach a level of pain, you decide, you know what, this isn't feeling good anymore. 
I, I want to change this. And again, just going back to what I said a few moments ago, there's really simple things you can do to start changing that and to really let go of worry. And it's, you know, the first step is really being able to notice that you are worrying. And what is it you're worrying about? Start really looking at, well, what are those things? Write them down. And what I recommend to um, a lot of my clients is to take a worry break. So every morning, take 30 minutes where you have no worries at all. You just give yourself permission to block out a period of time that you're not going to think about any of the challenges, any of the negatives, any of the concerns, and you're just going to be free. And just take that time and feel how you enjoy it. Feel how you can work with that. And another technique I use is is the counter-opposite, where you take all your worries and you Mm -hmm. write them all down, and you put them into one period of the day. So let's say every day between 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. in the afternoon, that's going to be your worry time. And if something, a challenge comes up at 7 o'clock at night, you're not allowed to worry about it until the next day at 4 p.m. So you just have isolated a one-hour period, and that's the only time you allocate to worrying. And either of these techniques can just help set you up to breaking the pattern, to just changing it and approaching it differently. Oh, I definitely like that. Yeah, put your worries on the time frame. Yeah, that sounds really good. These are some great steps that anyone can actually do if they just take out their time. It's baby steps, so no one's asking for perfection overnight, but these are some things that you can implement to your life schedule for you warriors out there. I know, and, and like I always say, Give God the keys, and he'll lead you to the rest. That's why I've been staying prayed up. I'm telling you, I was stressed out because my rent wasn't paid. I was late. I left in his hands. I prayed on it, and it came through, and I got out my way, and it showed the true colors of people who actually were supposed to be friends and who are not your friends. So mm-hmm. it just, um, that's, why, that's why it takes spirituality, too. You touched on something really very important that I really want to bring some focus on, too, prayer. Prayer is like affirmation. Prayer is very powerful. And energetically, you are opening up, you are surrendering, you're allowing vulnerability, and it really helps. So prayer, I really encourage people to pray, you know, and don't expect that the prayer is going to be fulfilled in a minute. And there's still steps you need to take, but prayer is very powerful. It really is. It will block away all those things that come into your life. It will block away the anxiety boogeyman that's out there. <laughs> I call I call the anxiety boogeyman. That's what it's called. It's out there trying to get you every day. You got to let go of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, all right. So going back to let's go to maybe another example of maybe a single mother and her worrying throughout the day, what do you do with that in your line of work? With a single mother who's worrying all day? Yes, ma'am. You know, it really depends on the individual because, you know, it depends what her experience has been, what her background is, where she is in her life, because everyone is unique. So I work with people based on where they are. You know, I'm not trying to shoehorn them into something they're not, and I'm just trying to help them get to a place where they're more comfortable in their own skin. So it's sort of hard for me just to have a general question like that without knowing who that person is because there are so many different ways to help them get to a place of comfort and to help them let go of those worries. And even just the two suggestions I gave a moment ago about, you know, having just isolate worry time and just take those periods because what we need more than anything are periods of time when we're letting go of the worry where we have just kind of like a little vacation from worry so that we can regroup. It's really resetting the brain. And what happens if you just chronically worry is you actually develop 
these neural pathways in your brain that are just all about worry. And so you're always releasing these stress hormones and it becomes really chronic and it affects your body. It adds to weight, you know, those hormonal releases. So it's really a matter of, um, again, awareness, being mindful and taking time out from that worry, really taking moments. And sometimes it means, you know, getting some professional counseling or um, going to a local community center where you can get some support. And NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, has some wonderful community supports um, in most communities in this country. So um, that might be a a great opportunity for someone who can't afford to go and pay for counseling. Uh, You could go to an organization like NAMI. You could go to your you know, religious center and um, hopefully be guided, um, you know, by um, someone in the clergy who can help support what you need. But definitely seek help. I think too many people are suffering in silence and there's so much support mm-hmm. out there. There's There are great books out there, you know, besides mine. There are many others. Um, but, but there are opportunities and, and it right. doesn't take, a huge amount of effort. It just takes making that decision, you know, of I am going to change this. I deserve more than this. I'm ready to uh, be all that I am. And I I need somebody to guide me. I need somebody to show me the way. And there's many people who can help. Right, exactly. And, and And like you said, we all got circumstances of our life. And then you got some who got the anxiety disorder and you you have let it come into your life, and it's taking hold of that. And, you know, there's some things you might can't help. If you're afraid to fly, you could you probably could teach someone to overcome that. Now, I can't Actually, help you, you if can. you... you can. You can. Right. You can overcome fear of flying. There's, there there right. is... Why? Is that what you said, why? No, I was saying right with you. I was oh, agreeing okay. with you, Peggy. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Um, and the fact, you know, there are things that we can accomplish here, and that's why I said, Peggy, your book is awesome. It targets. It's not just going through, oh, this is what you need to do, okay, and going through all the, the big words. It's landed out on the plate. It's very simple. It won't take long to read. If you're a reader, you just have to pick it up, but you've got to start. Even though you might get Peggy's book, you still have to start within yourself. Cleanse yourself out. Get it, get to yourself and do yoga meditations. Those work wonders. Get in an isolated place and start getting to yourself. Don't, don't, don't let the crazy thoughts slip in on you. Okay, try not to get too comfortable now. Um, but <laughs> great advice. <laughs> but, those, but those are things that you can actually do to help yourself. Uh, Peggy, before we get off the air, what's the best way people can get in contact with you? Well, the best way to um, get access to the book is they can go to escapefromanxiety.com, and um, there are links there. They can either buy it from publisher or they can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And um, the escapefromanxiety.com will also lead them into my website because most people, my website is peggysteelfon.com, but it's too tough to spell, so escape from anxiety would be a lot easier. And uh, and that's the best place to get in touch with me as well is through that uh, website. I tell you, I do appreciate you for I appreciate you for coming on, Peggy. I think this is some great information that could be passed on. People can really hit home with it. I mean, we go through this every day, and there's no doubt about it that we won't stop going through it. So thank you. Right. Right, it's part of life. It really is. So right. I really thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here, be on the bright side. I just I love that name, and I just love being here with you. So thank you so much, and I really appreciate all your listeners. Well, thank, thank you, and I want the listeners to know it is a difference between belief and knowledge. Belief that, hey, um, my children might fall off a swing, but knowing if they go in that street, they they will get hit. There's a there is a big difference, and it's time for you to get into the know and cut loose the beliefs, because that's all that they are. Beliefs are can be excuses sometimes, 
And the truth for the day from my friend Mary Ellen is this. A great life secret is an ability to not only feel, to know, and follow that feeling. We cannot see God except in his creations, yet we can feel his wisdom surrounding us. You can ask him questions. We all do, mostly in the form of prayers, and we all receive his answers. The secret is an ability to be quietly intuitive. Even more important is your ability to know you have this connectedness with God. You must have the ability to feel and know what you feel. How can God know the answer to a question you are fumbling with asking? God gives us everything we ask for. Sometimes it's just in another form. Place your thoughts in a drawer, figure of speech. Put your ego to sleep. Sit comfortably, breathe, and be with God. Now ask your questions. Feel your feelings and know that God is with you. Today, feel your wisdom. Allow to connect with God. Know God and you will know yourself. Enjoy the day, everyone. God loves you and so do I. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 